I'm gonna take one, baby. family we are back with another episode of the take one podcast and again we are celebrating women's history month and i'm so excited because we have miss jennifer goolsby here uh she is in finance and we're going to hear a little bit more about her story and also have richard reeves on the podcast hey, hey, hey. and it's so good to have you and, and hear your voice uh, on the podcast and let's see let's go ahead and jump in All so right. Jennifer, I feel like, did you join before or after the pandemic, or was it like in? Yeah, I I joined before the pandemic. Okay. So I got to see downtown church in its full element (laughs) (laughs) prior to, you know, all of the adjustments. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we came came before the pandemic. Okay, cool, cool. Well, I know that the pandemic, I feel like we haven't gotten to know each other as well as maybe we wanted to over the last couple of years, so... I'm excited that, you know, some of the other people in the congregation get to hear your story and and learn more about you. And I'm excited to learn more about your story professionally, because I know we've hung out, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you're also doing all this amazing work uh, with your company. So um, can you give us a little background of where you're from, how you got to where you are, what exactly do you do, what company you work for, all those things? Sure. Yeah. So um, I am born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, that is, that's my, my stuff and grounds. Um, but I moved away for undergrad, uh, to move to New Orleans, uh, to go to Xavier University of Louisiana. And then after that, I got a job and went to Chicago to work for a company called Abbott Laboratories. Um, people probably know about Similac. That was one of the products that, uh, that they, uh, produce. And then um, the company that I'm currently with, with which is uh, AbbVie, is a biopharmaceutical uh, company that was um, acquired about five years ago. Um, and so I've had a long journey there, um, a total of 15 years in the pharmaceutical industry. And uh, my current role is a senior finance manager. So um it's very interesting. I've been through traditional and non-traditional finance roles, um, but it's been it's been really good to me. Yeah. Yeah. You said you, you raised in Memphis. Where'd you go to school? Central High School. Central High the School. The High School. The High School. <laughs> that's See, in right. Memphis, when somebody asks you where'd you go to school, they're not talking about college. They're mm-hmm. talking about high school. So yeah. that's right. It's good to know. Yeah, I'm learning. I'm not from Memphis, but I do know enough to know. <laughs> The high school. The high school. school. That's right. Warriors. (laughs) That's funny. Miss Donna went there, too. That's right. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Um, And so when you went to college, what did you major in? I'm guessing like accounting? Finance. Finance. Okay. Business administration with a concentration in finance. So, yeah, which the school that I went to wasn't necessarily known to be like a business school. Um, it is an HBCU, which is historically black college and university, and um, Xavier is known for producing students that are going into the medical field, which was originally, you know, where I was headed. Okay. Uh, so I originally started as a bio pre med major, and quickly realized that that is not the path that was meant for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
and so I I changed to uh, to be a finance major because I started to realize my love for numbers and mm-hmm. you know where my strengths were, yeah. and so it was a great opportunity to be a part of you know that program and start to create you know some opportunities and some growth there. Yeah. So what does like your day to day look like? Because from somebody who knows nothing about finance. Uh, what is like the day-to-day? What are you Yeah, my analyzing? current my current day-to-day, um, it changes every day, really. Um, it's working on different projects at this point um, in my current position. So uh, we've purchased uh, another company about two years ago, so I'm in the middle of an integration. Wow. Um, and so there's lots of, there's projects that are specific to harmonizing mm-hmm. two, two companies. Right. Um, So my day to day could look like reviewing contracts Mm -hmm. um, with uh, with wholesalers um, that we have. It could be um, calculating um, fees that we have uh, set up parameters around um, inventory with our wholesalers. Um, So it it could be a number of different things. It could also be, you know, working with our transportation team to get product out of our warehouse. So it's so many, it's multifaceted, Mm -hmm. and and it goes from one extreme to the other. Um, You know, sometimes just dealing with words, but also other times dealing with, you know, dollars, right? Dealing with the calculator and, Mm -hmm. and things like that. And, but really... You know, it's I support a business, um, which is very unique for finance, because I think when a lot of people think about finance, they probably think about, you know, having clients and talking about stocks and bonds. And that is an aspect of finance. But particularly when you're um, within a corporate setting, your customers are people that are internal, that are within Mm -hmm. your company. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, to keep the business moving, to yeah. make business decisions. So I've had great privilege of working with, you know, the business side of the corporation to make larger decisions that will impact the company. Uh-huh. So it's it's an array of things yeah. that come about. Yeah. You know, one thing you haven't mentioned, and we haven't mentioned, is uh, Jennifer serves as the treasurer of downtown church. And, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> So one of her daily uh, responsibilities uh, are maybe answering the nagging emails from the lead pastor. Uh, But no, Jennifer, you have done an amazing job. Your work ethic is impeccable. And, uh, and yeah, we were literally right before the podcast looking over a contract that we're yes. about to enter into <laughs> with an right. here in Memphis. And she uh, she's marked it up. And we got a lot of questions. So Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's a pleasure to serve downtown church. It's a pleasure to serve church in general. Mm. Um, it's been something that um, I have grown in. And uh, I love numbers, so why not be able to use the things that I've learned from, you know, from school to yeah. be able to serve uh, the congregation and, and the Lord. Well, you do it well. You do. And I think it is, it's <laughs> interesting knowing all the stuff. And the times I email you. <laughs> before, exactly. Um, and that's not even like considering the, the session meetings and just yeah. all the stuff that y'all are doing. So, um, like, you have a full time job. That's right. <laughs> you know I mean? That's right. Yeah. But Plus. you serve downtown, you know, so well. Um, also, I wanted to ask a question because are you serving on 
a diversity initiative or something like that? Yes. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, the, yeah it, the ball doesn't stop there. Um, <laughs> I mean, because I'm not only finance, um, but, you know, I have other things that ground me as well. And recently I have taken on um, a lead position to um, run a work stream that is EEDNI focused. Um, and that's within work. Um, so um, I, there is a, a council of about 20 of us, and uh, we come up with different ways to, to grow, like my, you know, the organization that I'm a part of, um, and to make sure that we are highlighting the great things that are being done in the EDNI factor, but also identifying some areas of opportunity. Yeah. And that sometimes mean, means going outside of the walls of our organization to bring someone in to look at where we are and um, ideally where we would like to be. So mm. yeah. I am leading that team. Um, and it's, it's good to be within a work setting and being amongst other people who have such a great passion mm -hmm that is around diversity and inclusion. Yeah. And so um, that's become a great passion of mine. And it's been, you know, it's been a great turning port point for my career, right? Yeah. It's because I'm doing the work, but I'm also provide, making myself available to do other things that to me might be, that's more important, yeah. right? Wow. So, yeah. so yeah, I do wear that hat as well. <laughs> and, you know, all of my parenting responsibilities. <laughs> I serve, yeah, I serve a as a, a board member for my son's PTO um, wow. organization. So that's another facet that, you know, but all those things make me whole, right? Yeah. I'm not just finance. I'm not just the mom. Yeah. Right. You know, there are yeah. other areas that I'm passionate about, and I think that it's very important for me to be able to have an outlet for those. Yeah. 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 Talk about your family a little bit. I don't know that we've... Yeah, introduce your crew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm married to Michael. Um, this is coming up on our 15th year. Wow. Yep. Congrats. And um, I have a 13-year-old Harrison and a 9-year-old Bailey, and they keep me very, very busy, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I can rest later. Now. <laughs> I love it. Now I is the time it. for me to, you know, serve them in the way that God has prepared me for. And so I'm excited to do that. The ups, downs, mm -hmm. the happy and ugly times. There you yeah. go. I think, uh, I think Bailey's going to be a CEO she, oh, uh, one yeah. day. She doesn't oh, fall yeah. far from uh, the tree of mom or dad. <laughs> I know. agree. Yeah. I mean, she, as I was thinking about, you know, talking about women's history or whatever, yeah. Um, I could not stop thinking about Bailey, you know, <laughs> because she is going to be a force to be a reckoned with. Force. And I am looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I don't think they're ready for her, but she will be ready for them. <laughs> wow. It's obvious. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's obvious. Um, so with all the different hats that you wear, um, what are some of the victories that you've experienced? Because, I mean, you, you're you doing so much mm -hmm. <laughs> and doing it well. So, yeah. like, 
What are some victories on the way um, that really impacted you or said like, okay, I can do these things. Like I can wear all these hats. Yeah, I mean, definitely the encouragement that I get from my family mm. is, um, is probably the most victory that I have because they see what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they know that there is impact there. But I think about it from a work perspective, it's been, you know, it's been rewarding from um, an award perspective, right? Receiving different honors mm. um, in, in that matter. Um, you know, being honored by the president of our organization is something that um, I have achieved. And it's, it's great. You know, that is something that pushes me to continue to mm. do it over and over again. Um, I think about the impact that I have receiving, you know, words of encouragement from my colleagues um, in regards to the EEDNI sector that I'm a part of, how something that was said or um, an initiative that we've pushed, how it impacted them or how they appreciate it or, you know, just wanting to be involved um, is, is a victory for me. If it's just one person that can identify and can see themselves being represented, mm. for me, that is, that's, that's a victory. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think about, you know, most recently with, uh, with the PTO side of things is that, you know, my children go to uh, a school where they are 9% of the school. Mm. And uh, for that school to celebrate Black History Month for the very first time and to know that I had an (laughs) impact on that Mm. is amazing, right? It it gives me, you know, really a platform to be able to allow my voice to be heard um, and to know that it, like, that they hear it, right? right? And so um, those are just, you know, some small wins, some victories, but um, I think that the biggest one of all is just my family mm. um, and seeing how proud they are, you know, of me mm-hmm. and for them to communicate that to me. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. yeah. So I've been asking this question uh, to everybody because, like, you're so accomplished. You've done all these things. And I think sometimes we can look at people like you and just think that you've never had any issues or any problems, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But Yep. Uh, I know that, like, there has to be, you know, some stories behind that you've had to, like, overcome. Or, or, right. So, like, what are some obstacles that you had to overcome on your journey? Because I know everything hasn't just been, like, sunshine yeah. and rainbows, and we live in a broken world. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, I first think about um, just the trajectory of, um, of me in the workforce. Um, and when I first started, I was very much like running. I, it wasn't a marathon. It was a sprint for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was a sprint. I was trying to figure out how fast can I get to the next level? Mm-hmm. How quickly can I get there? And there were some bumps on the way. Um, I very vividly remember one of my leaders saying to me, and I hadn't even you know, gotten to a supervisor or manager role. And he said, 
in order to get to this, you know, this manager role, and it wasn't specifically to me, but it was kind of a broader statement to everyone, you need to work a certain amount of hours. Mm. And the amount of hours, I was like, I can never work that many hours. I have a small child at the time at home. Like, there's no way that I could do it. And it was true. Like, I couldn't, it was unattainable for me as a mother to be able to work the hours. But for him to put a specific number of Mm -hmm. hours on, you know, being able to make an achievement for yourself, Mm -hmm. um, that was kind of eye-opening. Yeah. Yeah. So that, for me, kind of like, that took me back, you know, a while. And I was thinking that I couldn't, Mm -hmm. like, I, I... I will never. I I will be fifty and just be able to <laughs> yeah. make you know, a, just an entry level manager position, right? Yeah. Um, but I didn't. You know, for a minute it did. You know, kind of pause my sprint, right? Right. right. Um, but then I said, I'm just not working for the right person. That's right. You know, it would that yeah. that just wasn't where I needed to be, especially because I was very passionate about the trajectory, um, but I just knew that I needed to con- move on to some somewhere else where I knew that my work would be appreciated and not mm. necessarily the amount of hours I spend in the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Doesn't sound like the best uh, <laughs> work-life balance culture. I know at all. Nah, I, I mean, it's cool yeah. that you knew, like at that right. that time. Like this is just not. It's not. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, what I'm right. like, there's nothing yeah. wrong with me. This right. is just not the right place, man. That's yeah. such a lesson in that. I feel like. Yeah. Um, okay, so you are doing a lot of different things. I was ready to ask this question, really, but I was like, okay, let me stick to the script a little bit. <laughs> but. When I hear everything you're doing and I see everything you're doing for Downtown Church, I see your children, I've kind of seen the way you parent them and the patience you have with them, just all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, what keeps you motivated? Because I feel like um, thinking about what you do is a little overwhelming for me. Yeah. <laughs> just thinking, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So like living it, what keeps you motivated to like wear all these different hats yeah, and it, rest later? <laughs> yes, it can be motivating. And sometimes I don't get rest. Mm-hmm. Um but the thing that motivates me, I wouldn't say it's one thing. It's probably the people that motivate me more so. Um, when I think about motivating, I think about those that came before me, mm. the those I'm li- living life with now, and then those who are coming after me, yeah. right? That really is what motivates me. I think about, you know, we just watched Harriet uh, a mm-hmm. few weeks ago. I think yeah. about Harriet Tubman, who came before. I think about Maya Angelou. I think mm-hmm. about Debbie Allen, because I'm a former dancer, mm-hmm. of those women who broke barriers, mm-hmm. right, who who really set a name and a precedence for themselves mm-hmm. and how it encourages me to, like, keep moving. Mm-hmm. I think about, you know, my best friend who is also in a male-dominated um, industry of journalism yeah. um, and how she's breaking boundaries. I think about just my mom, 
my mom mm. being a single mom and in raising me and being strong. I mean, when I wow. think about people who describe her mm-hmm. from my childhood, they're like, your mom is so strong. She would do anything that she needed to do in order for you to have the best, right? Mm-hmm. So wow. that motivates me. And then I think about my daughter, right? My nieces. I think about them and what they see, you know, who they see, mm-hmm. um, the representation that we currently have in the world. But even for Bailey, who's my daughter, who's in her house, right? Mm-hmm. She motivates me to continue to know what is important and what is not important yeah. and to be able to distinguish the two. If I know that something is not going to impact my life or someone else's life positively, I don't need to do it, right? right? Um, being able to say no. And so she sees me. She sees how I respond to people. She sees how I respond to her. And it's important to me that I keep that framework in mind when I'm doing my everyday things so that she can grow up and she can be better than me. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, so you're already speaking to like the next question of legacy, because mm-hmm. um, it sounds like you're definitely motivated even by the legacy before you. Mm-hmm. And then, so if I say legacy, like what what does that trigger for you? Yeah, I mean, legacy is a powerful word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I think about, you know, in finance. You know, whether it is my personal finance, you know, leaving a legacy there. Um, or leaving a legacy um, with my family or my friends. But when I think about legacy, the thing that comes to mind is doing the work now that will, you know, that fruition happens later that will benefit someone else. Mm. And that's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about what is it that I'm working hard at right now that I may not necessarily see Mm. the growth of, that someone else will see that growth, Mm -hmm. you know, in their time and they will be able to benefit and continue to grow from that. Mm. That's what I, that's what I think about when I think about legacy. Cause you're right. There's so many people that have come before me who have kind of laid out Mm -hmm. the road for us to walk down. Um, And so that's what I hope to do. That's what I hope to do. So with like, I'm jumping a little bit, but like with that idea, like you may not see the growth now, mm-hmm. um, but you're working hard. I'm not you're not running a, a sprint anymore, but you're yeah. like running the marathon. That's right. You know? That's <laughs> so right. To keep with that that analogy. Um, what makes you hopeful? Because I think in any field, we can sometimes lose sight that like we are not just working for the here and now. Um, but like, what gives you hope if you're not seeing the growth right away? Um, what's your hope to just keep pushing forward? Yeah, um, my hope is is that, you know, we will continue to have conversations like this, mm-hmm. um, that those that are younger than me and evil, even, you know, the same age as I am, that they would hear it and be encouraged and motivated. Um, but I see, you know, the little ones mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm that and what they are exposed to um, in the world. Um, And even, you know, just looking at society, we now have the first woman vice president, right? 
Um, and we've seen very strong first ladies to mm-hmm. come through. Um, but we've seen the doors open, you know, in the entertainment, you know, the film industry mm-hmm. that we haven't seen before. Okay. So I think that the world is slowly catching on mm-hmm. to like women are powerful <laughs> yeah. and they can do some amazing things outside of their homes. Yeah. Um, right. And and I'm hopeful that. You know, the message will continue to happen, that we continue to celebrate women even when we are outside of Women uh-huh. History Month, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Um, and I think that um, there has been a light that is shining on minorities in general, yeah. right? And from an, eth- from an ethnicity piece, but also from a gender piece. Mm-hmm. And I think that because the light is shining there, people are doing things about it. Right. Yeah. They're making women, they're putting women in positions and giving them the opportunity to be able to share their voice that has been a lot of times silenced. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, as the generations continue on, I think that um, you'll see more women in the spotlight. Yeah. And, you know, whatever I can do to help, you know, shine that light, yeah. I will. But I have one priority, and that is my daughter, for her to be in that spotlight one day. Um, And she will. She has a strong (laughs) voice. Yeah, she does. She has a strong strong voice. And so um, I pour into her daily um, to make sure that she knows that her voice is strong and she needs to know how to use it. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of this, I'm going to ask something that's like specific to like the black woman experience, mm. I feel like. Because mm-hmm. um, you're like further along, you have children, you know, you're where I'm trying to get, right? <laughs> um, just, and I'm asking this for me, but also our listeners. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I think about like, I know so many strong black women. And I feel like um, a lot of times women have some unique pressures on, on us, um, especially like, if you're a woman, that's one thing. If you're a black woman, that's another mm-hmm. thing. If you have children in the corporate world, at least from what I've seen, that's another thing. Yep. Even the story that you were saying, how the guy was mm-hmm. like, you have to work X amount of hours. Yeah. That may not be attainable if you want to be a good parent at right. least, and be present. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so like, what are some of those unique pressures? Um, and like, how do you deal with some of those unique pressures? Um, because sometimes I think women have feel like they have to choose mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. I'm trying to say this in a good way. But I do feel like sometimes women feel like, okay, either I can be a good mother or I can have a career. Yeah. Yeah, right. I'm saying. Yeah. And just all these different talks about is it possible to have both? Mm-hmm. And they don't ask these questions of men. And that's another thing I can go on a whole <laughs> rant. But yeah. Yeah. I'm just wondering like how do you handle those pressures? Um yeah, what is what is all how do you feel about everything? Yeah, <laughs> there are about? definitely some unequal pressures yeah. that are applied to women in the workforce. And I think that I oftentimes hear women make the 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 term work-life uh, work balance, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you have to ask, like, is that real? <laughs> like, is work-life balance, is that a real thing? Yeah. I mean, in me and my 15 years of working, I don't think that it is. Yeah. You know, I think that you have to choose, you know, oftentimes, sometimes work over life. 
And then sometimes you have to choose life over work. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and I I personally don't ever want to give 50-50 to either my life or my work because mm-hmm. life is more important to me than work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, there have been lots of pressures. I think that the way that I... Well, I'll give you an example of a pressure, for example, and I'll talk about how um, I handle it in the present day. Um, I recently just, last week, I had two uh, invites to come through for me to meet with um, with some colleagues at 8 a.m., okay? I normally would start my day around 8.30, 8.45 um, for the simple reasons that my husband travels, and sometimes I am often um, the sole parent in, in the house. Mm. And so um, my daughter goes to the bus stop <laughs> between 8.15 and 8.20. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I am unavailable prior to 8.30, 8.45. Um, so I saw the, the note come through, and I, I answered it as, like, uh, tentative, like I tentatively accepted it. Right. That brings me to boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I think more so women in the workplace have to set for themselves, right? I have children. I'm not able to be in the office at 8 a.m. or even on Zoom or Teams or whatever the platform is at 8 a.m. And I unapologetically set my schedule to block out time before 8.45 purposefully so that I can spend that time with my daughter and take her to the bus stop. and I set time in the evening to have a cutoff. Mm-hmm. And people have to um, respect that boundary from me. Yeah. I tentatively accept it, but I sent a note that said, hey, I will not be available at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. I, you know, my daughter goes to the bus. Um, I will jump on as soon as I can, right? Mm-hmm. It prompts something in most people to say, oh, and then realize I'm not the only one when they get other declines, right, right? right? But I think it is the awareness that has to be brought to those who may not be in that particular season, mm-hmm. but still need to be sensitive to the responsibilities that people have, especially women have outside of work, yeah. right? Um, because for me, it is a choice for me to go to work, mm-hmm. you know, every day. Yeah. It's a choice. Um, and I need to feel comfortable in that choice and know that my boundaries are being respected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's definitely some pressures there because especially early on in your career, you're thinking, oh, I have to be at every meeting. Mm-hmm. Right. I have yeah. to I have to show them that I can be there when reality is, is that we've got to let people know, like, this is not norm for everyone right right Right. so yeah that's definitely a pressure and then just like like just being a part of like like you said the male dominated field I had a job where I supported nothing but men and um, trying to gain their acceptance Mm. of me Mm -hmm. and to listen to my feedback um 
was challenging. You know, they will go over me, Mm -hmm. right, to get to my manager, who was a male, Mm -hmm. to get the same outcome as what I had already suggested. And then it just had to become a conversation with my manager to say, I've already told them that, Mm -hmm. you know, I outlined it to them here. Um, If you could just turn them back my way. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that also that allows your manager to say, Oh, this is, she wants to take ownership of Mm -hmm. her responsibilities. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to water anything down for me because (laughs) I can handle it. Right. right? I have my own internal push that's going to make me better. Um, Mm -hmm. but I need you to allow me to have that opportunity. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, it's mm. two things. So I <laughs> earlier in on like in the conversation, I heard boundaries coming through. You didn't say the word, but I heard the boundaries coming through. So I actually have two like follow up questions to what you just said. Mm-hmm. Feel free to answer whichever one yeah. in whatever order. So one, um, I think sometimes it's it's hard for some of us to set boundaries because we're just like, you know, I don't like you said, I don't want them to think that like I'm not all in mm-hmm. or you know whatever. Um, so one, like, what are some of the things that like give you confidence to push back and say like, hey, I can be on, you know, at 830 mm-hmm. <laughs> or as soon as mm-hmm. I'll be on as soon as possible. And then two, um, how did you learn to like communicate with your boss to not get mad at, at the men that mm-hmm. are that are because mm-hmm. I mean, hearing your story, I'm like. You know, those buttholes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I thought that too. <laughs> and I, I think, like, there's so much uh, wisdom that you displayed in going to your boss about it and mm-hmm. saying, like, hey, can you, you know, reroute them? Um, so, yeah, two questions. Like, with the boundary, like, how do you, you get the confidence to go ahead and push back? And then, two, where did that wisdom come in to not, like, blast <laughs> Yeah. Those yeah. men that are yeah. not respecting you, yeah, um, and communicate with your boss. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's great because I think I wish I would have had someone to give me that advice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I was younger, um, I think that you know, as far as me pushing back uh, with my manager, um, it was just something that I knew that I had to do. Yeah. I didn't want my manager to think that I couldn't handle something Mm -hmm. and that was my responsibility right and I also was at a phase of proving myself Mm. you know so it was I know I can do this I know that the work that I do is good Mm -hmm. and therefore give me the opportunity to do it and I'm going to do it now if you (laughs) see that I'm not doing it then we can have a conversation but you hired me for this position because you believe that I can do it and I've shown you time after time that I can. So let's continue to have that, you know, relationship to where you allow me to continue to grow. So Mm -hmm. it it, it just becomes, I believe, a level of respect. And sometimes I think that, um, especially in corporate America, they feel like if someone is coming to them, It's two reasons. They feel like the person who's responsible for it can't do it. Mm -hmm. Or two, there's an ego for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. right? They're thinking, Mm -hmm. oh, like, they believe that I can do this, and so I'm going Mm -hmm. to do it, right? Even though I have someone capable of doing it. Um, And and I think you have to establish a rapport with them. Mm -hmm. 
I've shown you that I can do it. You hired me because you believe that I can do it. Now allow me to do that, right? And then as far as boundary goes, that's a wisdom thing. In the beginning, (laughs) when I first started my career, I did not have the courage to create boundaries for myself. There were no boundaries. I was doing stuff that... You know, working long hours, doing extra projects, just really exhausting myself mm-hmm. and um, proving myself is what I was doing. Right. And I think it just got to a point where I'm like, OK, I have the experience. I have the reputation. I have the awards, quote unquote. Right. Um, I know my worth. Mm. I know my worth now. Mm-hmm. And because I know my worth, I can stand on that. Yeah. And I can start to create those boundaries. Yeah. You know, I can start to I can start to say, hey, and this is a true statement. I know I worked until 1 a.m. at the office. Um, and there was great success in that. But there are some efficiencies that we can put in mm-hmm. place to make this something that is more attainable, right? Yeah. right. That's more healthy, mm-hmm. right? Um, the mental aspect of that, recognizing that you do need to have great mental space and being al- and allowing yourself to take that time that you need in order to have, you know, in order for me to be my best, my best self, I have to be in a good mental space. So that's just, that's just wisdom. Again, like when I first started, I would have never thought that, right. It was just, I was grinding. I had my head down and I was working, but now it's like, I've proven myself. I've done the work. Mm -hmm. So now it's that we are all on even grounds. Yeah. 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 So yeah. yeah. So what would you say to um, a young lady coming up working in, you know, corporate America? Maybe she's on the grind phase. You know, mm-hmm. I do feel like there are phases to every career. Yep. Um, what would you say to her? You've already said a lot of great things and wisdom to her, but what would you say to her um, just to keep her going? I would say uh, speak your truth in a respectful way. Mm-hmm. Um, learn how to be honest with yourself to know the things that you can and cannot do and know when to ask for help Mm -hmm. and challenge the status quo. I think that is going to be the big change that we start to see is us challenging the things that we've always done just because Mm -hmm. that's just the way that it's been. So challenging the status quo, but all in all in a respectful way. Yeah, that's great. Great wisdom. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Richard, for co-hosting. And guys, that's all for us uh, this week. And we'll be back next week to learn more about women in marketing. All right.